0: Welcome to The Church Closet. I'm Charlie. I'm Joseph. And I'm Spencer. On The Church Closet, we're going to be talking about different aspects of living with same-sex attraction or gayness or other topics of sexuality, both from a standpoint of what does God say about it, and then also practically, what does it look like to follow God with this in our day-to-day lives while holding on to what Scripture teaches.
1: And while we are open to anyone and everyone to listen to this podcast, we give this podcast to those that are struggling with same-sex attraction, those who are gay within a church, and even the Christians that want to know more of how to engage with someone that has come out to you that has said, hey, I struggle with same-sex attraction. This podcast is for you.
2: We're going to be using questions to guide our discussion each episode. We're going to pick a different question that explores the topics of same-sex attraction in the church, what it means to be gay and Christian, how to manage your sexuality, and how to live with your sexuality in light of being a Christian. On today's episode,
0: how do you describe your sexuality and why? So yeah, we're starting with the question of how do you describe your sexuality? For me, that answer is that I usually say that I am gay. Um... I've tried other things like struggling with homosexuality or saying that I'm not attracted to women. Uh, At one point in my life, it was easier to lie, um, not just to other people, but to myself, and convince myself that I was straight because I wasn't acting on my attractions. Um, And some reasons why I don't use the other ones, when I say that I am not attracted to women... I feel like I'm, I'm addressing what is missing from my life, because it would be helpful to be attracted to women, or at least it would be helpful to be attracted to one specific woman that I knew I was supposed to marry, and I wouldn't mind not being attracted to any other woman besides that. When I limit it by just saying that I'm not attracted to women, I'm ignoring the sin part of my life. I'm sugarcoating it so that it doesn't sound evil. But the reality is I am attracted to guys. Sometimes I lust after guys. And addressing the sin is more important than making it sound good for other believers. Sometimes I'll say things like how I struggle with homosexuality. And that at least is honest, because it says what the sin is. It says that I'm struggling with it. But it's also a lot of words just to say what one three-letter word could accomplish. I know the word gay has a lot of negative connotations to it, and I don't take on all of the negative connotations, even though I do take on some by using the word gay. And it's difficult. I have to maintain a balance between it being something that is a helpful descriptor for either my actions or for my temptations and it running the risk of being a label by which I identify and run my life. I don't run my life under the guise of Charlie is gay. I run it under what am I doing right now? What does God want me to do right now? And I don't spend all my time thinking of myself by a label. I don't spend all my time dressing myself by a label. I live my life, but I also am aware that when I am attracted to guys, that is a gay thing. One of the reasons that I prefer using the word gay over struggling with homosexuality or same-sex attracted is because when I'm talking to other people who deal with same-sex attraction... Many of them appreciate the ability to speak candidly about what is going on in their lives. If they feel like they have to use the right words or else risk offending me or getting lectured by me or hearing me say, no, no, don't say that, say this instead, then they won't talk to me. I'll, I'll lose them before the conversation even begins because we can't agree on the terminology by which to address things. Other people don't want to be labeled as gay, because that would be too powerful of an identity for them. It would be labeling them by their sin, as if Jesus doesn't forgive them, as if Jesus doesn't love them, as if it is something that defines all of their life. And so I don't believe every Christian needs to identify as gay if they deal with same-sex attraction. I believe that they all should surrender their attractions to Christ I believe we should repent of our sin and follow him wholeheartedly as best as we can, even if we have to say no to the attraction every single day of our lives. Another reason is that many times when I'm talking to believers within the church who don't deal with same sex attraction, if I have to dance around what words I use, if I have to avoid specific words and phrases, Then we're probably not having a meaningful conversation about same sex attraction. Or it's a very basic level. It's something that they've been dealing with or listening to and learning about for five minutes, maybe a year. Whereas for me, this has been almost a 20 year struggle. And I want something deeper than that. I want a conversation where we're not hung up on a few words. And so. As it fits, I can say that I struggle with homosexuality. As it fits, I can say that I have same-sex attraction. But also, when I just want to be blunt, I want to be able to say I am gay and not have those words be an excuse to throw me out of church, out of community, out of fellowship. So th- those are those are at least my initial thoughts on the question of how I identify my sexuality. Uh, what about you, Joseph?
1: Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that, Charlie. Um, for me, I liked how you said about dancing around different people because I feel the same way. I use a myriad of descriptors, and some I don't use anymore, some I still use, and some it just depends on the people I'm around. So, some of those would be like bisexual, I struggle with same sex attraction, gay, a Christian who happens to be gay, you know, just all those are things, but you're right. Gay comes with a negative connotation. But there's one descriptor that I will not use anymore. I used to, and that was a gay Christian. And I'll get to that in just one moment. But for the other descriptors I will use, depending on who I'm around, and it really depends on their comfortability level. Because I'm, while I still don't like all of what I struggle with, I'm still comfortable in the struggle I have. I'm comfortable in saying that Christ has me. And if I have to use one word to spread his gospel even more, then I will use that word. I will use same-sex attraction. I will use a struggle with homosexuality, gay, bisexual. I will use what I have to to get the same meaning out so that I can reach more for God's glory. Now, I don't say gay Christian anymore. And the reason why I don't say that is because Christian means little Christ. And with that, when you say gay Christian, you're saying you're a gay little Christ. And that, that's not r- true. Ooh, that's, that's not right. right. You're putting your identity, your identifier, before Christ. And when you are a Christian, you are a new creation. And so you can say you're a Christian who struggles with homosexuality or a Christian who happens to be gay, because it tells you, look, I'm going for Christ first and foremost, but I struggle with this. It's kind of like those t-shirts that say, I love Jesus, but cuss a little too. <laughs> and that's what it is. It's basically saying, I'm following Christ, but I have my own problems. And he's the one that took it to the cross for me. But as you all find out throughout this entire podcast, I'm a little bit more blunt. So usually I go for the two of bisexual or gay. Just for the same reason Charlie gave of it's either one or two syllables instead of 17. So it's just easier, more efficient. And if people have a problem, then it opens conversation. It opens the door. And again, I completely agree with Charlie of when he said that not all Christians who struggle with same-sex attraction need to identify as gay. Because they may have actually come out of more of a many years in the LGBTQ plus um, community and that was their lifestyle. So they no longer want to label it that because it reminds them of the lifestyle, but they still have to struggle. And so when it comes to identifying, you have to do what's right for you, but also what's glorifying to God.
0: Absolutely. And related to what you were saying about how, like the example you gave of I'm a Christian and I cuss a little bit, When we use the word gay, we're acknowledging that that means sinner. We're not in denial that it means we struggle with sin, but I would rather be a Christian who honestly accepts my struggle with sin and takes it before God than someone who tries to sound righteous in front of everybody. Without Jesus, I am just gay, but with Jesus, I am forgiven, I am loved. And we are looking forward to the day. Specifically, we are looking forward to the resurrection from the dead, in which there will not be marriage at all, but most importantly, we will be free of our sin. And that's all of our sin, including our same-sex attraction.
1: I mean, the Bible tells us that we were washed, justified, and sanctified in the blood of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 6.11 that's so true, that it doesn't matter what sin we have, whether it be lying, stealing, adultery, even murder, y'all. It doesn't matter. God still took our sin to the cross, and that's the beauty of, of the gospel. And we would love to talk to you about it. Um, if you want to email us, we'll have our email at the end of the episode. But yeah, we
0: would love to talk to you about the gospel. What about you, Spencer? How would, how would you identify your sexuality?
2: As you guys will learn on the podcast, I am the uh, token straight character on the podcast. Debatably. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. But yeah, I'm straight. Um, I haven't had the same struggle that uh, Charlie and Joseph have had. And that puts me in a really different position, especially within the church. Uh, it can be difficult for anyone to come to terms with their sexuality but there's another layer that people who are same-sex attracted, people who are gay, have to deal with. I've never had to identify myself as straight. I've never had to introduce myself to, um, to friends um, in a church setting, uh, in discussions. I don't have to step in and say, well, as a straight person, or, well, here's my experience as someone who's straight. For a lot of reasons, uh, just from a numbers perspective, you tend to assume that people are straight when you meet them. In the church, there's a lot less of a stigma, even when you're talking about sexual sin, if you're dealing with um, opposite sex attraction versus same sex attraction. So there's a luxury and kind of a blind spot that comes with being straight, where um, your experience you think of as the default and you miss the struggles that some of your brothers and sisters in Christ are having, where not only are they struggling just as much as you, those that are same sex attracted, but it's a lot harder to reach out and find help because you have to explain uh, You have to explain all kinds of things. If you say you're gay, people can assume that um, you don't believe what the Bible says about it. If you say um, you're struggling with same-sex attraction, people worry about you. They worry about your future and what you think and your theology. They think about all kinds of things that I don't have to deal with whenever I say, yeah, I struggle with lust or um, I struggle with keeping, you know, Healthy relationships with women. Some of it's just the fact that people are afraid of things that they don't experience. It's difficult for me, without putting in a lot of work, to get into the headspace of someone who has a different sexual attraction than me. But I think, and I feel really strongly about this, it's part of loving your neighbor, part of loving your brother in Christ, to understand the thing that they go through that you don't have to deal with. Though I'm blessed, I guess, with the luxury of not having to think about it. It's my calling as a Christian to think about it, to learn from those who experience things that are different than me so I can love them better.
0: And we really appreciate that, Spencer, because one of the difficulties that Joseph and I both have, wanting to do ministry within the church and out in the world, all of that gets called into question by us using the word gay. Um, And frankly, it's usually even just called into question if we say we're dealing with same-sex attraction or that we struggle with homosexuality because they're such heavy connotations with the words. And in my experience, I haven't known many people who knew how to help us. And so if members of a church don't know how to help us and we struggle with a sin that they don't know how to help us through, then they're going to want to keep us away because we're a wild card. It's dangerous to have something they don't understand within the church, ministering to their children, their college students, even the adult ministry. What if they spread the gay or the ideology? What if they change their mind because they meet some cute boy? I've met many cute guys. I'm not planning to change my theology over this anytime soon.
2: Yeah, exactly. Especially when there's parts of the church that have a lot of trouble separating um, someone's sexual orientation from their state as a Christian, from their salvation. Not all the churches like this, but definitely parts of them are, where they don't have a conception of what it is to be gay and to be a Christian. See them as mutually exclusive categories, both in word and the whole idea. There's no one to bring those categories together for them, which means when you meet someone who brings those categories together— You don't know what to do with them.
1: Yeah. So Spencer, you mentioned how it's not the same for you. And I appreciate your honesty um, with that. And you're right. Like you mentioned like lust and all these other things. You have all these different things that you can say what you struggle with. I love your term of opposite sex attraction. Hmm. I mean, it's there, but like we don't use that because we don't have to. When heterosexuality is the norm, you don't have to put labels on anything. You have lust, and people automatically think it's man against a woman, or even woman against a man, but it's always straight. You don't have a man against a man, woman against a woman, or anywhere in between, any of that. So while, hear me out, I'm not here to say more labels. I'm here to say, let's change what we already think of the labels we have. So when we think of lust, we don't automatically have to think of opposite sex attraction. While it can be hard and can be difficult, we need to look at see, okay, there are other sexual sins out there that people do struggle with, and we're not going to burn you at this day for assuming that we're straight. Lord, that's
2: there's already a community out there that does that. Thank you. <laughs> The generosity of, uh, of my friends for not burning us at the stake. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem.
1: But like at the same time, what we're doing here is to show that there are people inside the church who love Jesus, who love the gospel, who stand with the gospel, regardless of what it says about their own sin. They stand with the gospel, like you said, Charlie, about how you've seen a lot of cute guys and you're not going to change your theology. I've had many guys give me. Give me so you're the, saying they gave you your own number? Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, have it back. What know. a burn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I've had many guys hand me their numbers and I've had to reject because that's not what my theology says. My theology says that homosexuality is a sin and a long list of other sins. In fact, I want to follow Christ the best that I can. Do I fail?
0: Oh, yeah. So does everyone else. And one of the things we're hoping to talk about in future episodes, how do we fight failure? How do we recover from failure? Because there are too many people within the church dealing with same-sex attraction who aren't able to talk about it because so many people are allergic to the word gay or they feel the need to sugarcoat it, or even just they don't have the vocabulary to talk about these issues because opposite sex attraction is the norm, because people have such strong preconceived notions about the word lust and what it means. So one of the things we want is for people who deal with same sex attraction, who are gay, who are trying to follow God, To be able to talk about their struggles in a way that gets them help and in a way that gives them the opportunity to follow God by repenting of their sin, by following him daily, and by showing what it actually means to be redeemed and forgiven and to show what the sanctification process looks like. What does it look like to struggle with same-sex attraction? What does it look like to be gay? And follow God with your whole heart. That's something we want to be able to talk about and to help people do. And if we have to self-censor ourselves, we can't do that effectively.
2: I think that's a concept that a bunch of Christian voices have been picking up on, especially in terms of sexuality in general. Everyone's heard that shame is deadly to Christian life. Everyone's heard about how secrets thrive in the dark. That if you're not willing to reach out and get help if you're not willing to confess then uh, you'll never be able to get better Uh, it's definitely been a theme of my life about confession and honesty about my own sexual struggles about coming to terms with my own sexuality but imagine how much more that's the case for someone who not only struggles with uh you know sexual sin but just on account of the people they're attracted to they'll get judgment for that first and then judgment for their sexual sin, judgment and shame and more and more secrets coming out of that. So I think the church doesn't need less openness, doesn't need less compassion and less mercy. It needs more to extend that mercy and that compassion that I've gotten from some really great Christians in my life, extend it to everyone who needs it. The nature of the gospel is to reach wider and wider groups, to open the doors for more and more kinds of people Maintaining whatever, the standards of holiness, maintaining the standards of what is sin and what's not sin, but welcoming everyone in, knowing we're just a family of redeemed sinners, and that's the thing we can focus on. And having empathy, trying to understand what it's like for someone, the real lived experience of someone who struggles with same-sex attraction, that's important. It'll help you love your neighbor, it'll help you love people um, when you think about how their struggle is similar to yours, and in some ways—
0: beyond yours. One of the debates related to whether or not Christians with same-sex attraction should use the word gay or lesbian or bisexual to describe themselves is a mindset of whether or not to treat these sins like they are a cancer that needs to be eradicated and removed, or if it is more like diabetes, which requires constant monitoring, treatment, and intentional control over what you intake into your life and there are some ways that you can treat it like either because I'm okay with people praying that I stop being attracted to guys it would be nice if that went away I don't know what it would look like because I've dealt with same-sex attraction for so long but I look forward to the day that it is no longer a part of my life even if I have to wait until eternity, until the resurrection from the dead. I know that day is coming, and I look forward to it. But if it doesn't go away, does that mean I should give up? If I pray every day for a year, every hour, every five minutes for a year, that God would take away my same-sex attraction, and then if I'm really being greedy of what I ask God, which it's perfectly fine to do in this case— asking to become attracted to women, or attracted to a woman. But if God says, no, not yet, am I going to live like his grace is sufficient for me? Or am I going to say, because I still struggle with this, God has condemned me to be unloved. God has said, I don't belong within the church. And I don't think that's the case. If God takes away my same-sex attraction sooner, if he takes away the reasons that I feel like I have to use the word gay in several contexts, hallelujah. But until that time, I don't want to hide that I struggle with sin and that I need love and fellowship with other believers, that I need to be held accountable, that I am trying in my faith, whether or not my attraction goes away, I want to choose to follow God every day. And before anybody prays that God remove this one sin from my life, it's more important that they pray that I would choose to follow God every single day of my life. Because if it's not same sex attraction, it will be something else. It could be pride, it could be greed. Selfishness is super easy, laziness comes so naturally. So why would you just pray that one sin goes away when really I would rather pray that I choose Jesus every day, whether the cost is easy to bear or if it is complicated to bear? And then transitioning some to the question of labels. We've touched on this already, that many Christians shouldn't use the word gay to describe themselves because that is putting themselves in a hole that God has taken them out of. Where even if they still deal with same-sex attraction, they are denying it. And if they use the word gay to describe themselves, they would feel like they were rejecting the mercy that God has already given to them. I accept that reasoning. I don't believe that they should bend to my will and start calling themselves gay or lesbian or whatever. But for me... I have a unique experience where I've been defined by many situations and by many traits in my life. I am left-handed. I am an extrovert. I am a show-off with a bagload of stupid human tricks that I can show you, except this is a podcast, so sorry. I've been treated like a performing monkey because of what I'm able to do. I'm weird. I am funny, I have many labels that could potentially define me, so I don't give any of them too much power, too much control. They don't get to define my actions. People think I'm happy, and I am happy, but me being a happy person doesn't mean I don't cry. Me being a happy person doesn't mean I will be happy even if someone is yelling at me, abusing me, mistreating me. I will be happy as much as I can. I will choose joy, but I experience anger. I experience sadness. And just like I won't let any one emotion control my identity or how people view me, I refuse to be defined by one sin that I struggle with. I may struggle with sin for the rest of my life, but my identity is who God made me to be and how much he loves me. So while people can label me by my sin for the rest of my life, I label myself as loved by God, loved by people. I have the value that God has given me, and it is enough. I am likable. I am lovable. God has plans for my life. And I thank my parents, my friends, my family, everybody who has done what God has commanded them to do in loving me as I As he commands that I be loved. As I want to love you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I like the the metaphors you used. There's all kinds of other labels that we're totally comfortable using as Christians. um, Saying that you're a happy person doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. Doesn't mean you don't have other identities you can go off of. Me giving my denomination. Me giving what my degree's in. Me giving you my marital status. Like... All that stuff is, is important labels, but it doesn't mean that it supersedes my most important labels. For example, I think the fact that, I don't know, I'm married is more important than the fact that I'm left-handed, or it's more important than um, whatever particular hobby I have. And in that same way, um, the fact that I'm straight is way, way less important than the fact that I'm a Christian. The family I belong to is more important than the country I belong to. The fact that um, my really core values are so much more important than tangential things about who I am. So there's a hierarchy of what labels we can put on ourselves. There's a hierarchy of importance, um, how much they come up, how central they are to us, how much they shape our personality. Everything in my life has been shaped by uh, my faith, by my family, by very close friends in a way that I couldn't say about everything in my life even all the labels I put on myself. So I think on the one hand, uh, we have to understand that, that um, your sexuality is not the primary label. It's not the thing that gives you your core identity. But I think at the same time, it's really important to realize that it affects a lot. It's not just incidental. It's not a tiny part of who you are. I'm sure everyone listening knows that your sexuality, no matter what it is, has shaped you immensely. People you you like, the people you find attractive, the people you fall in love with, the way that you interact with people of the opposite and the same sex, all of that is colored by your sexual orientation and your identity. It's important, and we can't talk as if it's not important. If you're someone who's uncomfortable with other people labeling themselves as gay, we're talking about that as their identity, which I've run into some people who are. Some people say that people just make too big of a deal of it. To that person who thinks that people make too big of a deal out of their sexuality, I'll say, maybe, it's possible, but don't underestimate how important it is. Don't underestimate the wide-reaching effects that someone's sexuality has on their life and their development and their whole like social sphere, even if it's not the most important part of who they are.
1: And another thing that Charlie brought up about is prayer. We all need to pray. (laughs) I mean, we're called to do so. By Jesus himself. And it's taken me a while to get to the point where Charlie is of, and I'm still to the point where I'm just like, eh, about simply (laughs) put, praying the gay away. For me, I've already made peace that it ain't going away. I've dealt with it for 13 years now. Or Charlie, you've dealt for almost 20. (laughs) There's differences between us. Like My difference is God has given me a very godly girlfriend right now. He has given me the attraction to be with this woman um, who I love very much, but that's not the case for everyone. So I got lucky. <laughs> I got shown grace, but God shows you grace by giving you the opportunity to turn away from the sin. God gives you grace by giving you opportunities to share your testimony so much more. Like, he he gives grace to people to give himself glory. And some people that are listening right now, you may be thinking, well, that's crap. Um, Why would God not just go and make everyone straight? Like, come on. God has allowed us to have free will. God has allowed us to make our own decisions. When Adam and Eve took of the fruit of the tree, that's when sin entered the world and through that, it took many, many manifestations. Ours just happened to be same-sex attraction. It can look different ways. I mean, we know that. But God will use us to the way he wants us to be used. And it might be next year, tomorrow, or whatever, Charlie, that you wake up and you do find yourself a beautiful, godly woman. It also might be after the resurrection that We are united without sin with Christ. And praise be to God when that comes. Because even though I'm in this relationship with this godly woman, I still struggle. And that's where we differ is my parents, mainly my mom, still praise that the gay goes away, even though I'm with a girlfriend. But there's also some people that I have that aren't LGBTQ community that have asked me well are you going straight now i still struggle i still have same sex attraction i don't think that's going away unless god just you know wants it to go away and i'm okay with that because he's shown me so much grace in other areas that i will gladly take up this cross for him because he took the cross for me
2: yeah yeah the topic of it's, it's a meme now praying the gay way um, but that's just because for a long time the church had that approach. It was understandable at the time. We didn't know that much about the experience of people who were who were gay, uh, whether it was something that was caused by genetics or by early childhood or by the influences of the people they are around, whether it's just a social thing, uh, a genetic thing. I think we're a lot more informed about it now. Um, this isn't a science podcast. So we're not going to get into the science of it. But I think Christians need to understand that while we do serve a God who can do as he pleases, he can act without us, the pattern is definitely that sexual orientation doesn't change easily, doesn't change quickly, and doesn't change for everyone in all cases. No matter what he does with any of us and any of our sexuality, our calling as Christians is the same. Straight, gay, bisexual, all of us with all of our sexualities. Our calling is to serve God, regardless what we're dealt, regardless of how our bodies are, regardless of how our socialization is. The call is to follow Christ, and that will always involve taking up some kind of cross. And there is no guarantee that God will take that cross away from us. There's no guarantee that God will take away my desires for um, women who aren't my wife. There are no guarantees about the kind of people I am attracted to, will be attracted to the struggles and temptations I will have in the future. God does not um, save us in order to take us out of the world. He saves us by coming into the world with us and being with us, living with us in the midst of our struggles and our temptation and our sin in order to pull us out of it.
0: And we're hoping to cover so many things over the course of this podcast. And that includes our own thoughts on what what causes same-sex attraction? Like how much of a choice did we have? How much did we not have? How do we choose holy sexuality over giving into our temptations? We're not scientific experts. We don't have all of the answers, but we have our stories and we have the Bible and we have our lives that we are trying to turn and used to help provide some sort of guidelines for our brothers and sisters in Christ with same-sex attraction or who are part of the LGBT plus community. Uh, Did you have other thoughts, Joseph?
1: Yeah. And to all who are listening, if you have any questions or if you want to share your stories with us, our email is thechurchcloset at gmail.com.
2: Thank you all so much. I really appreciated this conversation. To those of you listening at home, stay tuned for further conversations. We have a lot more down the road going into the specifics of what we talked about today and tackling whole other topics. Until then, I'm Spencer. I'm Charlie. And I'm Joseph. And you've been listening to The Church Closet.